The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ye though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 23, 1-6 The following program presents principles designed to promote good health and is not intended to take the place of personalised professional care. The opinions and ideas expressed are those of the speakers. Viewers are encouraged to draw their own conclusions about the information presented. Welcome to Healthy Living. I'm your host, Margot Marshall. Scientists have discovered that our brains are continually being reshaped. It's called neuroplasticity. So what effects do adverse childhood events have on the brain? Things like abuse, neglect, household dysfunction like losing a parent to divorce or prison and so on. Stay tuned. adverse childhood events may be a very painful subject for many viewers but my guest Dr Eddie Ramirez will be handling it with care and sensitivity as well as giving hope. Welcome Eddie, so lovely to have you on the program. Thank you very much. You know this is a very common issue, this is something that happens very often. Way too often. And uh, we, there, we, we have a saying in Spanish that says we see the faces but we don't see the heart. Yeah. And there are many people struggling with that past inside of them that marked them and had an effect. And see, this also has an implication in something that is called emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence measures different factors. And what happens to us in the past and is currently happened to us in the present has an effect on that emotional intelligence. And we can see in, in, in the screen a little bit of those components of the emotional intelligence, which is knowing your emotions, learning to manage your emotions, recognizing emotions in others, managing relationship with others, and motivating yourself to achieve those goals. Now, this has to do with your behavior, this has to do with your ability to get along with others. I don't know if you have them here in Australia, but we have them in America. Some people that just cannot get along with others. No, I don't think there's <laughs> any in this country. Okay. <laughs> See, uh, not those people have low emotional intelligence. In fact, you can have a higher than average IQ 
and have a low emotional intelligence. It's possible to have such things. Yes, very possible. So some people struggle with this. The good news that we have today is that you can improve that emotional intelligence. Well, that's a good thing because it's not so easy to improve uh, the IQ, but this EQ or emotional intelligence can be improved. That's good news. That's right. So things like motivation, for example, we saw that motivation is an element there. There are people that have tremendous potential, tremendous talent, yet their emotional intelligence is too low and they don't have the motivation side of the equation. So that's why this is such an important subject that even secular companies invest time and money into trying to improve the emotional intelligence of their uh, employees because they know very well productivity is going to go up. Instead of wasting your time with personal uh, issues and so forth, you can help actually focus these people into producing better and so forth. Forbes magazine, you know, this tremendous business magazine around the world, had an article recently that said basically, don't hire people with uh, high intelligence, hire people with a high emotional intelligence. Fascinating, isn't it? Yes, it it is. It definitely is. So, yes, the high IQ brings creativity and all these things with them. But if you cannot get along with others, you're just going to be a liability instead of being a blessing to the company and, and so forth. And not only that, also, if you go back and try to remember people from your childhood... You may have thought about some of them like, wow, you know, this kid is so intelligent. I'm sure he's going to be such a big thing in his future. And they don't do much in their lives. See, when there is low emotional intelligence, your ability to leadership gets affected. So their ability to climb up the ladder and so forth is affected when the emotional intelligence is low. And let me ask you this. Suppose, uh, think about in your head, when is easier for you to lose your patience, to get in an argument, and so forth? When you are well eaten, and you have, you have drank enough water, and you have slept enough, or the opposite? When is more probable that you're going to get into an argument with somebody? Well, that's a no-brainer, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be when you're tired and hungry. and See, because your physical mm. conditions mm. have an effect on your emotional intelligence. That's why we need to be temperate. That's why these uh, principles that we promote here at, at Healthy Living the exercise and the diet and the rest and the temperance and so forth, they do make a big effect on your health and your emotional health. So by having a more temperate living, your emotions can be more stable and so forth. Because there's a lot of connection between the mind and the body. 
th those those things that concern the body affect the mind, and they, the that's mind right, that's right. in turn affects the body and and our, our behaviours. There is yeah. definitely a very well documented link with each other. So that's why we need to understand that what happens to us right now and our behaviors have implications in our mental health. Now, there was a very interesting study that was done in Southern California in which uh, more than a thousand, thousands of people participated on this study. And what they did, they started asking some very uh, pointed and good questions. And I want to share those questions with you to try to identify some of those uh, adverse childhood events. So what I want you to do, I want you to, to go ahead and, uh, and, and, and try to answer these questions. If you're with somebody else, don't answer them. Uh, uh, you're talking to the audience. Audible, that's right. Uh, I want you to answer them um, only inside of you. So let us go to some of those, to some of those questions. Let's go to question uh, number one. This is uh, from, the, from the published study. Question number one says, before your 18th birthday, did a parent or an adult in your household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? So that's an, question number one. I want you to just uh, go ahead and answer it in your head. Question number two. Before your 18th birthday, did a parent or an adult in your household often or very often push, grab, slap, throw something at you, or even hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Okay. As you notice, these are yes and no type of questions. Question number three. Before your 18th birthday, did an adult or a person at least five years older than you ever try or did sexually abuse you? Question number four, before your 18th birthday, did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Or your family didn't look out to each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? Okay. Question number five, before your 18th birthday, did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat? had to wear dirty clothes, or had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you, or take you to the doctor if you need it? Question number six, before your 18th birthday, was a biological parent ever lost to you through divorce, abandonment, or other reason? Question number seven, before your 18th birthday, was your mother or stepmother often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? Or so, sometimes often or very often kicked, beaten, hit with a fist or hit with something hard? Or ever repeatedly hit or at least a few times or threatened with a gun or a knife? Very sad questions, isn't Very it? Sad, and yeah. unfortunately, happen to be uh, common. I'll show you with you in, in, in a. That's a wide spectrum of things, and I'm just trying to think. There's a lot of opportunities for people to identify at least with some of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Question number eight: Before your 18th birthday, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic, or or who used street drugs? 
Question nine, before your 18th birthday, was a household member depressed or mentally ill, or did a household member attempt suicide? And finally, question number 10, before your 18th birthday, did a household member go to prison? So as you can see, this is the last question, as you can see, these are things that are very traumatic. I mean, you don't go through one of these things and say, oh, it's nothing, you know? I mean, no, no. they do leave a mark on the person. Mm -hmm. And these are called adverse childhood events. And, you know, this explains a lot of the problematic that we see in the clinical practice. For example, um, there are people that come to you with unexplained symptoms. You go ahead and check everything. Everything is fine. You do laboratories. Everything is fine. Yet the person claims there, there is this physical issue that they are facing, but we cannot find anything wrong uh, physically. And as we start exploring and digging a little bit deeper, sure enough, adverse childhood events usually are present that explain this. So they're carrying with them all of the trauma that took place in their lives earlier, is that what you're saying? That's right. They carry with them that trauma and they are able to, um, to manifest that later on in their lives through physic unexplained physical symptoms and, and, and so mm -hmm. forth. Now, this... Uh, this type of adverse childhood events, you can classify them into three big groups. You have the abuse type, you know, physical, emotional, sexual. You have the neglect in which the person didn't receive the care and need they needed, physical, emotional. Or you grow up in a very dysfunctional type of household. Okay, in which there were drugs, in which some of your uh, family members were incarcerated, in which you had uh, witnessed uh, uh, substance abuse, in which there was somebody mentally ill in the, in the household, in which there was a divorce, and that creates very traumatic memories in them. Mm. Now, as we uh, have talked in other programs, um, our emotional consequence depends on our belief system. So what these type of things happen, they have an influence on those belief systems that we have and so forth. In fact, we notice in our depression program, many people struggle with the wrong image of God. They, uh, they had negative experiences in their childhood, the parents that were supposed to be an example of who God is, a little reflection of that, mm -hmm. because they were abusing, because they were doing wrong things to them, in their head, the image of God has a wrong implications. Okay. And he is a tyrant, and he is unforgiving, yeah. and he is uh, somebody who 